Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of our Smoky Mountain Wrestling Podcast. This is Smoky Mountain Wrestling, episode 187 mm. from August the 26th, 1995. And this is Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast, where today I'm sitting here once again with Doc Turner and Bobby Blaze. Bobby, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Glad to be back on the show. I appreciate it very much. Looking forward to it. Doc, what about you, man? You hanging in there? You living a dream? I definitely live in the dream, uh, as always. Got a big day planned with broads and beer and all that kind of stuff. But let me just say this. Um, I, you know, Bobby's been on. This is his fourth episode. I, you know, we've been ha- – I would assume there's been a big, big reception from the fan base because it's a different kind of analysis that we're getting. Uh, how's the reception been to having Bobby on the show? The people love Bobby. They, I mean, look, look, how can you go wrong? You've got a, you got a former wrestler for the promotion that Doc, you and I have dedicated the last four years of our off day from work to cover. So, well, and and you know, they love Bobby. I I mean, I'm not trying to throw throw shade at other other podcasts. I'm just (laughs) saying that we're we're blessed to have a guy that was in there that was in the locker room that was can give us some of the details without you know getting himself in trouble and one of the things that we do want to talk about here today is sort of a wrap-up from last week we didn't have time for it because the the shit was so hot last week that but we don't want to gloss over this at the super bowl of wrestling bobby you wrestled dan severn wow uh that's that makes you the bravest person in here by far (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> so, um, did Dan? We'll just start off by asking: Did Dan know that the, that it was a work? Well, uh, th- thanks again for having me back on the show. I'll say this: You could have put the. the I, I worked with Severin in Charlotte in May of that year, and I'm not so sure he did. But yes, we had a gentleman's agreement. I say it jokingly because in Knoxville on that show, you could have put that match on that last week's program we spoke about and it, it would have taken anything away it would have added to it because it was that good of a match to be honest with you um if you go to um on youtube both matches are on there if you go to bell to bell bobby blaze on the youtube channel um, i'm actually giving commentary from uh, both matches I'm going to give a shout out to Wide Men Can't Jump podcast because they, they've got it on their Patreon. It may be free now. Uh, Severin and I do a 30 minute interview with each other, which with each other, here it is 25 years after the fact. And we talk about, and we break down the match and talk about what took place. The In Knoxville, uh, Dan and I had worked out together the night before, um, not in the ring, but on the mat in the weight room, uh, done some running. We trained together basically. And um, by that point, he had had several more matches than what he had had uh, at the Charlotte uh, match. In Charlotte, we had about eight minutes, I think it was. And, and a lot of it was just 
get out of different things because he was already countering every move I was doing. So I was like, you know, when we would come to Knoxville, uh, we just basically had a gentleman's agreement. And I just said, look, uh, this really just a straight shoot. I said, look, man, I've been here for three years now. I've been over here. I said, I've been on TV. I've been their champion. I said, all we have to do is I want it to be as solid as you want it to be. It, you know, like he used to say, uh, you know, I could work a shooter. I could shoot a work. Well, one thing you don't want to do is fucking get in there and shoot with a guy that just won UFC title, you know, <laughs> and is also known as the beast. Um, the, uh, the thing is, is, um, I said, if you just give me a half a second instead of countering, because you already know what I'm doing, let me actually apply. When I do go behind you, if I get behind you, let me get behind you. Let me stay there for a second. You know, slow it down just a bit. And as far as the kicks and the punches, uh, we didn't. I, I, I kicked him pretty hard in the ribs several times through the match. Um, he kicked me a few times. Uh, we didn't punch each other in the face, but we delivered some serious forearm blows to each other. And it, it was, a, like I said, it was a gentleman's agreement. And while we was in the ring, it was completely professional. Um, I noticed on one of the tape, I think we're going to see uh, from the Super Bowl, uh, where I saw it last one, I'm not sure which one. Um, Jimmy Suzuki was there, who was a photographer from Japan. And um, him and Dan Severn, myself, a couple other people actually went out and done some pictures and ate dinner together after the, the Charlotte you know, match. And I stayed in touch with Severn. And then I got to work with him again at this Super Bowl. And, and I think, you know, Jimmy has said it. He said, you know, he thought I was the only one on, on the roster that could get in there and mix it up with Dan like I did. And it's really, really hard to pull off the kind of match if you if you have a chance to go to YouTube and watch it, do so because it's really hard to pull off that kind of a match. Um, and I go for uh, he goes for an arm bar that he beat me with in Charlotte that I escape. But in the, uh, this time in the second match, I go for a, a clothesline which I had I'd given him one from hell earlier, but he turns it into a Fuji War arm bar, and I really thought you know this guy's gonna rip my fucking arm out of my socket and beat me over the head with it. But that mm -hmm. wasn't the case. We we had a, a, a working agreement, a gentleman's agreement, and it was a solid match. And I tell you, here it is, it's soup ball wrestling. I'm just gonna tell you, and then I'll get off of it. You know, place is packed, a um, little bit different kind of match because it was it was honestly worked like a shoot. We didn't use the ropes, there was knees, there was uh, you know, uh, some suplexes, some kicks, forearms, like I said. When I got through the curtain, there was a monitor in the back, and um, I walked in the back and I walked down the middle curtain as opposed to the way used to baby faces come out one side, heels the other. On a Super Bowl, I walked down after the match through the middle of the curtain and turned to my right to which would normally be the heel side at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. And there was Buddy Landell sitting there at the monitor and Jim Cornette standing right behind me. And I remember coming through there and several people was like, good match, good match, you know. And, and Buddy turned around and he started clapping. Him and Cornette started clapping. And, and Buddy said, my God, Bobby, you got to send that match to Japan. He said, people's got to see that match. And here he is, you know, he, we already talked about last week's, you know, program. He's getting wrestle, getting ready to wrestle uh, uh, HBK or whatever. But he was watching the monitor and watched that match. And we'll forget that um, he, he clapped his hands when I come through there and said, Bobby, that's a hell of a match. And he was standing right by Cornette. And uh, yeah, I shook both their hands. I thanked them. And I was actually just kind of waiting for Severn to come through and thank him. You know, that was kind of what was going on. But that, when your peers, when you when you come through there and your peers are looking at you, 
and they take the time to acknowledge you just had a great match. It really means that it meant so much to me then, and it means even more so now that you have to look back at and say, you know, that I had this tremendous match with Dan Severn, and uh, we, we turned it into something really, really good. Uh, so much so, like I said, here it is 25 years later that um, that we had a, a, a 30 minute interview of each other, and they've got it up on on the internet now on YouTube and you know, I just commentate through it and there's interviews out there where I do it and I won't go into a great interview because this show is not about me today. It's about Smoky Mountain Wrestling and you know, uh, we're going to watch this episode and we're going to enjoy it, man. But thanks. Um, I'll never forget the Super Bowl professional wrestling and to say what we talked about last week, I did have to go home that night after the show because I went home, Dan Severn and myself, we went out to eat with uh, Jimmy Suzuki and several other people. So there was no ring rat shenanigans after mm. that. I had a wife and child at home, guys. And so <laughs> I was uh, strictly business, you know, just um, um, we had a gentleman's agreement. We went out to eat, got our room. When the time came, we got the next morning, ate breakfast, and, and we went our separate ways, you know. Um, We'd actually uh, tra made travel arrangements uh, together, and um, so the way we he lived up in uh, Michigan, the way he traveled, he came through here. We hooked up, and then on the way back home, I'm not giving any great secrets away, you know, not breaking kayfabe or anything. But you know, we had we stayed all night after Super Bowl. We had our dinner, got up the next day, ate breakfast, and we traveled back home. So no no good rap story from mm. the Super Bowl of wrestling, just so you know. But uh, yeah, uh, nothing but respect for Dan Severn, um, especially uh, in the ring that you know we got to to pull off those two matches. That Cornette had enough respect and confidence in me to put me in that situation, and also I. The, as I look back on it now, and I've watched it here just in the last few months, cause I had to do another interview where I where I promote it. Um, I have to say it's a very proud moment in my life, and also it, it shows. You know how you say, what's that? You know, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but toot, toot. It shows what an athlete I was and also what a tremendous wrestler I was at one point in my life. And I and I don't say that lightly because I usually like the joke around about it. But it, it shows what kind of athlete I was and what kind of wrestler I was. And um, we'll just leave it at that. But thank you for letting me get that out there to your BT and T fans. I hope you all, you know, enjoyed the story. But that's a straight shoot, man. Gentlemen's agreement. And Bobby, it, it's it's in the book, right? You got you got this in the book, yes, right? Yes, yes. Uh, the so, first match is the first match is in Pin Me Pay Me is about the Charlotte match. Right. That's the one where I make the joke where you know I wonder if, <laughs> wonder if he even knows this is the work. That's the truth, you know. Uh, and then you know Cornette, uh, you know, took care of me on the show, and I like you know who's working who here, who's ribbing who here. So yeah, whole story about Severn is in the first book. In my second book, I kicked out on two. The educational wrestler, where I'm smartened up a little bit, you'd think I put in the second match about Severn and myself. So do yourself a favor and either go download the book or order it using your BTNT, uh, you know, URL site. You can get out there for a plug, Mike. But yeah, both stories are in both books. And pin me, pay me a story one about the match in Charlotte. And I kicked out on two. It's about the match that we're going to talk about. Or I just now talked about rather in Knoxville. Uh, with Dan Severn. So I'm thankful we had a gentleman's agreement and I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
because I'm not climbing in some UFC cage with him. <laughs> oh, God. And, and you can find those books at tinyurl.com slash Amazon. I kicked out on two and pin me, pay me. Uh, you can find them there. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Bobby, thank you for sharing your story about Severn from the Super Bowl of Wrestling. And you're right. You, I, I agree. I, I think I would have thought the same thing. He's going to rip my arm off and beat the shit out of me with my own arm, which is uh, double insulting. But again, the man did business. You did business. And that's why it's called pin me, pay me. And that's why it's called the wrestling business. Uh, don't work yourself into a shoot. Uh, and you definitely didn't do that. You went along <laughs> and you did business, which was a great thing. So uh, really, really great story. And if you want to hear more, again, go buy Bobby, both of Bobby's books, Pin Me, Pay Me, and I kicked out onto The Education of a Wrestler at tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Doc, you got any follow-ups from Bobby there? Or you want to jump into uh, this episode as we hit the, the cliff? No, that's great. And, you know, so while um, Bobby didn't have sex with a squirter last night that we know of, Harper... <laughs> Harper can't tell that story. So we're glad to have Bobby on board for this because Harper can't be here. And now I think it's time that we turn our, our attention to fire on the mountain, better otherwise known as Brad, Bradamania. I think because <laughs> if you don't like Brad Armstrong, this may not be the episode for you. Well, if you don't like Brad Armstrong, the end of smoky mountain might, might, not be for you. Not that I want to run anyone off or anything, but yeah, if you don't like Brad Armstrong, as we kick off episode 187 from August 26th, 1995, I don't know. I don't know what this show is going to do for you, to be honest. But let's get into it. Shout out to Disrespectfully Classy, Marky e. Blassie, Kyle Riley, Mike Childry for your generous patronage each and every month. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, we are uh, Freedom Hall. We're at Freedom Hall, Johnson City for Fire on the Mountain 1995. And at the very beginning of this episode, we get Les and Chip. Uh, Kessler welcomes us in and tells us we'll see Fire on the Mountain today from 95. Chip reminds us that... The Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight title was held up recently, and Brad is still going after it. Now, we saw Brad last week win a title. We are then thrown to Billy Jack versus Brad Armstrong from the Super Bowl of Wrestling that we talked about uh, last week, which was about 30 minutes ago for us. Remember, Brad won, and he is that uh, USWA Heavyweight title holder now. Uh, Doc, I'll throw it to you. You got anything from the, the recap or anything? So, once again, as another wrestler who has a reputation, Billy Jack is reputed to be pretty out there and kind of a let's just say bird of a different feather um he's still built here in 95 though he's big that mullet's a little bit of a problem but the way he's got it cut but he's still built um bobby you ever interact with billy jack no you know uh they're in Knoxville when i shook his hand so low introduced myself and um he was he's off to himself he honestly just he stayed on the, the hillside I spoke about, you know, I spoke about everyone on the show, but yeah, I never, no interactions other than, you know, Hey, Bobby Blaze, nice to meet you. That was it. Uh, he was still big, still strong looking. And, um, someone just, uh, he was, he was, um, kind of soloing at that night. If I recall, you know, just kind of off to himself, like, uh, you know, am I going to do business or I'm going to kill someone? I don't know. You know, um, uh, just, he was over there at the locker room, just kind of mind his own business. Yeah, he uh, he's made some outlandish claims over the years. We don't have to get into him here. Just, you know, he's out there. Hey, again, at the Super Bowl, there was the false finish, but the crowd popped, crowd happy. There you go, Mike. Yeah, I got no comment on Billy Jack and what he says. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so 
Then they show us, or Clip throws us to another match with uh, Billy Jack from Memphis. We get to hear uh, the great Lance Russell on the call. Billy Jack wins this mm-hmm. one with a choke slam on Brad, and uh, Billy Jack wins back the USWA title uh, back in Memphis. So uh, I guess I'll throw it to you, Doc, if you got any thoughts on what we saw here. Love hearing Lance on the commentary. I love the whole idea of getting to see something that's happening somewhere else. Remember, even in 95, you weren't getting to see everything everywhere. You didn't have a YouTube or a network or anything else. One of the things I remember as a kid is one Saturday night on World Class here in Dallas, you know, we had seen every iteration of the Von Ericks and the Freebirds here. But then they had a tape of a match from them getting it on in Georgia somewhere. And it just flipped the whole script. And because they were playing the the, the state wars kind of thing, the, the Von Ericks were heels almost, if not completely. That's hard for me to remember. But it's like you're getting to see something that you don't normally get to see. You're getting to see an insight, a different angle at it than you normally get to see. And I really like that. It was different back then when you got to see something like this. And like you said, we didn't have YouTube. It was a a treat. It was definitely a treat. I can can log off here and go watch the rest of the day somewhere with relative ease. Lance Russell calling matches until nighttime. But back then, this was the only way I was going to see this, maybe. I don't know what the TV coverage was in Tennessee, but watching it here, I can imagine it was pretty awesome. You got any thoughts, Bobby? Uh, I agree. It's great hearing Lance Russell. I was also a fan growing up that um, anytime they threw it to somewhere else, that was always a treat. And so uh, moving on with, you know, talking about maybe Georgia would throw something from Florida or, or you know, NWA would throw something from here or there. But here, you know, um, Smoky Mountain, again, seeing something different, but also hearing Lance Russell's voice. That, that was huge pop for me because I'd, I'd totally forgotten when I watched it. And I was like, oh, that's great. The only thing I'll kind of uh, say, as I mentioned last week, is uh, you can see in a match, Billy Jackson is stiff and kind of awkward. Uh, he's a super fucking strong. But um, the one thing I want to say is, you know, he, he chops Brad a couple of times. And Brad just shows true fire as a baby face when he's – he 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 come up a chop and a punch and a chop and a punch just fought him right back uh into the finish and um you know of course billy jack got the huge pop or whatever but um yeah it was just one of those matches kind of back and forth but you could see billy jack just being just being billy jack it looked like in a match and brad just being you know uh smooth as he always was but also he showed some fire and like fuck man i gotta get this guy off of me and um <laughs> You know, he chopped the shit out of him back and he punched him back. And it looked, it looked like they was going at it, you know, and again, a, a good little finish, an old Memphis finish there, uh, you know, where, you know, uh, Brad runs in a Hildebrand or Curtis jumps up on the apron there because it was still the uh, East Tennessee versus West Tennessee. And, and, and now we're at, now we're out in Memphis at the far end of the state, uh, you know, uh, returning a favor, if you will, um, title for title and, and goes from there and, and Billy Jack retains the USWA title where, you know, where he's working at mostly at that point. Uh, again, I liked it something different. Uh, just overall good, good Memphis, uh, wrestling, good territory wrestling, um, good TV for, to get, get that, you know, 
several different voices we've already heard just in the first three minutes, four minutes of the program we're into there. Uh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Good to see the the change of pace. Something, um, you know, uh, we, it just we felt about- it just felt old school, and it just I, I'll never forget, man. You'd get in '83 and '84. We'd get in world class those either Harley or Rick sending in tapes before they were done in front of the old mid mid Atlantic background, and it's like God, I wish I could see more of this. I would pay anything to see one full episode of this. We've had the conversations before on the show, the old days when you'd be flipping through some channels or turning a knob, whatever you, you want catch to call some, it. You catch some ding-dong syndication show and the AWA's on for no reason, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, you thought you discovered the fucking pot of gold boy, that was <laughs> worth go, 500 you grand. Get, you go get that box of cookie crisps out of the damn pantry and sit down and start eating them and, and just watching some wrestling and getting started on your diabetes. And you had no way of trying to figure out if, if next week it was going to be on at the same time. Nine times out of ten, you would turn to it, and it wouldn't no, be, no. be like. My, my family got the Sunday paper, so I'd get out the TV guy and just sit there and do through Because, I mean, it wasn't like 200 channels. There was like seven. <laughs> and I go, Dave, I, I, you know, I could, hey, there ain't going to be no wrestling on a Tuesday. So I can just skip to the days where I think it is. And I'd sit there and look for that shit. New Orleans, we had four, six, eight. 12 which was pbs and 26 which which um mid-south came on uh world class came on six on channel six like five channels and i can remember flipping through the first time i discovered world class i was like holy shit this is this gonna be on every week and uh sure it, enough it, that it was much that was on, that was on par with finding scramble vision porn man come on oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic yes 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 i agree all right um Doc, you got anything from Brad's promo? Uh, I do want to play it if you've got something from it. Uh, if not, you just let me know. No, go ahead. Whatever okay, you want to do. You're, you're in control, my friend. So let's go to Chip Kessler. He talks about the controversial match with Brad and Billy Jack, and then we hear from Bob Armstrong about this. Uh, I said I said Brad, but I meant Bob. Here it is. You can see, or I might add, could not see, because of the edited tape provided to us from the USWA, a very questionable victory by Billy Jack Haynes. The referee during the match was knocked out, and our own Smoky Mountain Wrestling senior official Mark Curtis attempted to enter the ring to count the pinfall that Brad Armstrong had on Billy Jack Haynes. However, Mark Curtis was detained at ringside, and Billy Jack Haynes took advantage of this situation to score a very questionable victory against bad Brad Armstrong. When we come back, our own commissioner, Bob Armstrong, with a statement about the USWA. We'll have more on Smoky Mountain Wrestling right after this. Well, fans, as promised, we're back now with Smoky Mountain Wrestling Commissioner Bullet Bob Armstrong. And in the wake of what we just saw concerning Brad Armstrong losing the title in the USWA to Billy Jack Haynes, we want to bring on the commissioner for some words. Mr. Commissioner. Well, you know, there's a lot of controversy between these two organizations. They're more or less at each other's throat. Now, I didn't want to get drawn into this, but I have. So I prepared a statement here, and I'm going to let you know exactly how I feel and Smoky Mountain Chair Board of uh, Commissioners feel about it. Smoky Mountain Wrestling has an open-door policy where a wrestler from any organization, if he has the ability, can come in and compete, but everyone who has to come to Smoky Mountain from the USWA up to and including their vice president, Mr. Randy Hales, has come here to disrupt Smoky Mountain Wrestling, badmouth our fans, and cause trouble. When Smoky Mountain wrestlers go to the USWA, they are harassed by the uh, USWA fans, they are treated 
uh, shabbily by the promoters and officials of the USWA, and they have repeatedly been the victims of hometown decisions, which I do hate. Smoky Mountain Wrestling has no choice but to consider the USWA an enemy promotion. I wouldn't have it any other way as of now. If USWA wrestlers or Mr. Randy Hales himself want to come here, they will be warned and watched closely. And I, as commissioner, give my permission to any Smoky Mountain wrestlers who go to the USWA to fight fire with fire and use their own judgment to protect themselves at all times. The end. Thank you, Mr. Commissioner. As you can hear, fans, a lot of animosity between Smoky Mountain Wrestling and the United States Wrestling Organization, the USWA. And we'll be back with more right after this. All right, Doc, your thoughts on Bob Armstrong declaring war? All-out war, pal. Um, he's probably the only commissioner in wrestling that's going to roll out in a pink tank top, but are you going to call him on it? <laughs> um, nope. nope. Yes, sir, that, that tank top looks great on you. Great color choice, sir. Um, Bob Armstrong is the kind of guy, and this, I don't know if this happens all around the country, but it's, it's a kind of a Southern thing, I think, where he's like a friend of the family. And, you know, we've heard Bobby talk well of the Armstrongs, and certainly Tracy is as well. But this is bigger than just wrestling. This is like he's the kind of – he's the – I wouldn't say community leader, but he's got, he's got clout. And so you're a family friend, and, like, I, would, like, I just need some advice about life, and I'm 45. I could just be like, I'm, hey, Bob, come by. I just want to sit and sit with you for a little bit. And we might sit at the dining room table and have a cup of coffee. And he's just like, son, tell me what's going on. And he, and then he, you know, he'd sit there and take it all in and go, well, as I see, you got one or two options here. And I just wish I had Bob Armstrong in my life because I think he could straighten me out on a few things. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh. and I mean, is that we're all kind of southern southern gentlemen here? That's kind of something that used to happen back in the day, is it not? Bobby, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I. <laughs> Man, that very well said. Yeah, I think he's um, the commissioner for a reason because he he there he has a I see just the way he comes across. He has that leadership ability to come across as like you said, your community in this in this case, the Smoky Mountain wrestling community. Not only the wrestlers, but the fans. He even mentioned how hey, you're bad mouthing our fans, you know. So yeah. Um, he comes out there and just he tells it like it is, man. That you know this this is the way it's going to be, and, and um, pretty much here here's my advice, boys. If you come over here, you're going to be watched. You know we're tired of getting screwed around, going over there, some things happening, shenanigans, and this and that. So uh, yeah, you're welcome to come in, but um, here's the way I see it, and and pretty much like you said, Doc, you're sitting there at the table. He's going to say here here's the way I see it, and um, you're going to say yes sir, or no sir. Or, or, or take it or leave it kind of thing, you know, um, because he has that clout. And I wanted to say this too. Uh, you asked me a few weeks back about Chip. Uh, I noticed this episode, uh, Chip Kessler steps it up a whole lot this episode. He, he He's on point on this episode and good for him. He needed to step up and he has. Good um, job, the last Chip. few weeks of the, of the, of the programming, he really has stepped it up. But yeah, I think, um, you know, the commission out there and, and what he says is going to go. And he's sitting there reading a statement. He says, the end. And that's what he meant. That's that's the way it's going to be. The end. <laughs> Period. You know, amen. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So yeah, as we. I agree. 
as we transition to this scrum in the ring, I want to ask a question. <laughs> and out there in the in the rings in 2020, have they figured out how to make a house mic understandable? To Bruh, them? you are the worst. Why don't you explain what is about to happen and then ask the question? Well, I don't know what's about to happen because somebody gets on a house mic and I hear. <laughs> no, you do know what's about to happen because Chip Kessler throws it to what's called the six man battle royal that Brett Armstrong is supposed to be in. And then for like 20 seconds, we go to Buddy on the house mic, but you can't hear a goddamn thing that's being said. The people react, but we can't hear nothing. And all I can make out of it is that Buddy tells Cornette something that makes the crowd pop. And then Brad eliminates himself, leaving all of Cornette's militia in the ring. But something said, and it's just confusing because we don't know. Now go ahead and say what you were about to say about the house, Mike. I don't know. I mean, every time I've heard house, I've been to wrestling shows where I can't understand what they're saying in the ring. Every time we have a house, Mike, here, it's hard. It's just a garbled mess, and I just feel like we need to like clean it up and and you know make America great again. I mean, make <laughs> wrestling great again. Come on! I thought it was I thought it was really slick for him to eliminate himself there and get over on all those guys and leave them holding their dicks in the ring. So I like that piece of it. That's nice. Okay, Bobby, you got any thoughts on this? I mean, we really don't know what's going on because we cannot hear anything that's said. Yeah. I just think it was smart that Brad eliminated himself. I thought that's good booking, man. Cause I, I really, I'd forgotten what happened. Um, I don't even think I was there at that show in Johnson city. Um, I could have been, I can't remember, but, um, yeah, just, just smart the way he set it up, you know? And again, this is pretty much the Brad Armstrong show at this point. Uh, and it's going to continue to be, but, um, and I don't know what was said. I can't remember whatever, but yeah, just, uh, good booking. Just, uh, you know, you obviously some heat with Buddy and Cornette uh, said something like you said, it pissed, pissed him off and made the crowd pop. But um, Brad eliminated himself. I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah. And remember, these are supposed to be dream matches. So from from what I researched, this was the Punisher's dream match where it was going to be Brad in the six man battle royal. And you got basically uh, Cornette's militia in there against Brad in this battle royal. Brad would be by himself, but Brad eliminates himself. But it's very convoluted. I don't even know how else to describe it other than to say Brad eliminates himself. He leaves Cornette's guys in the ring and Buddy's in there too as well. But it's just that that's it. There's nothing else happened. So, uh, Doc, you got any other thoughts before we go to the next segment? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't, that's all I'll say about how this yeah. goes down. Okay. So then we go to Brad Armstrong, who uh, is about to take on a uh, mystery opponent. And Cornette comes out and grabs the house microphone again and announces that Brad Armstrong will have to face none other than someone from the past. Primetime Brian Lee, which the crowd loves this announcement because I guess I don't remember the last time we saw primetime Brian Lee. But, Doc, uh, any thoughts on this before I tell the folks out there how this thing ends? Yeah, we've got the Jip Jiver Socializer, Primetime Brian Lee, back in the promotion. Man, he looks a lot different than he did in 1992, huh? Yes, he does. <laughs> He's had a, a makeover. Uh, and, and this is, I mean, he hasn't been gone that long, but he's been gone a while. And it really does prove the point Cornette always says is, how do you, how can I miss you if you don't go away for a while? He's infinitely more interesting walking in as the special guest than he was in his last year and a half in the promotion. That's nice, Doc. 
I'm, uh, it's not his fault. He probably didn't have anywhere to go. I mean, there's no other feds. That's what I'm saying is we've been treated the last couple of weeks to all this interfed trade of talent, different looks. We love territory wrestling. That's what made it more interesting is that there were different flavors of ice cream to sample. But where do you go when there's nowhere to go? I mean, you go to Portland, you go to USWA, you work for Vince, or you work in Atlanta or Puerto Rico or Japan. And that seems like a lot, but not compared to 10 years earlier or 11 or 12 years earlier. Yeah, I agree. And so, I, 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 and so what I wonder is, is can you imagine with the, I mean, we talk about Corny not having this or that and a wrestling drought, you know, a, a, a recession all over the business and the industry. But imagine if Corny had other feds to deal with and work with and trade talent with, how much better everything becomes overnight. Oh, different landscape altogether. Different landscape, right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he pulled off what feels like Hail Marys with Vince and getting his talent and trying to do it the way it was done before. But that network, that Underground Railroad had been demolished. And so... There's that. I, I will say this. Um, I don't know if Bobby will get this. I know Harper would get this. I think Bobby would get this. Primetime Brian Lee in the, in the ring looks like the singer from Dangerous Toys, if you remember that band. You know I ain't got a clue. You have oh, a, they had a song called Teasing and Pleasing. And I, I wish we had Harper here to to sing it because they were they were probably on a package tour with the Bullet Boys because it was about that time. Um, so go out there, his name the singer, the, the, uh, the uh, singer for Dangerous Toys' name was Jason McMaster. So you can go check my math on that if you don't believe me. Uh, man, Brad is still over. You see that crowd pop when he won, and uh, in a minute at the end we do get the Road Dog, uh, the Do Double G, to come out and uh, help out. Thanks for getting to finish, Doc. Uh, you saved me some trouble there. Uh, hey, Bobby, do you have I'm anything else from this one? I'm here to work for you. <laughs> now, I, uh, you know, uh, it was great seeing Primetime back. Obviously, like you said, he changes look. Looks great. Uh, huge pop when he comes out. He's over. Uh, gives someone a heated, you know, gives Brad the, uh, the heated heel to work with. He misses a knee, rushing leg sweep. Brad floats over like only Brad can, you know. And then, of course, uh, it... The prime time earlier in the match had done that shoulder breaker. And then afterwards he gives them that shoulder. Uh, he posts them outside before road dog makes the save. And that was a good, uh, uh, that was good to have one or two, you know, um, your brother's coming from the back and, and kind of making a save because brother Brad still has a long way to go for the rest of the night kind of thing, you know, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good surprise to have prime time back. Um, you know, I know Cornette has that saying and, and, um, uh, you know, how can I miss you if you're never gone, you know, and primetime, you know, been gone for quite a while at that point. So the fans welcomed him back. It gave Brad a, a worthy opponent and it had a good match for it and um, leads to the next match, man. Good, good stuff, man. Good to see Road Dog out there. You know, he had been there, uh, you know, early on in his career as Dark Secret or whatever. And then, um, you know, he came back a couple of times just uh hung out because his brothers was, you know, brothers were working, but, uh, to actually be out there and make a save when his brother there at a show was, was really good. So some exchange of talent and that's, it's all good, man. Uh, like I said, it's kind of the Brad Armstrong show at this point still, and will continue to be. Yeah. Brad wins. Like Bobby said, uh, hits the Russian leg sweep. He pins primetime Brian Lee and uh, road dog is, uh, does have to save, 
uh, Brad at the end there, but he does. And then we go immediately to the next match, which is, again, we said it again at the beginning of this episode. This is the Brad Armstrong Show. Uh, Brad Armstrong takes on Buddy Landell for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight title that is held up. And there are also lumberjacks outside of the ring uh, with tennis rackets. I wanted to point that out. No cornet at ringside, but uh, I'll just wanted to mention that. So until the very end, that is. Corny tries to help. I'll recap and then I'll throw it to you all. Corny tries to help Buddy and he throws in the racket. Buddy throws the racket to the side and says, no, I don't want your help. Because remember, that's what he told Jimmy last time in that promo. He said, I don't need your help anymore. Don't try to help me. But Brad ends up grabbing the racket, and he hits Buddy with it. And Brad wins when he hits Buddy with the racket. By the way, the ref didn't see any of it, um, any of all that stuff I just described. Corny is not happy. Buddy isn't happy either. Uh, Buddy and Corny are arguing in the ring afterwards, and Buddy just barely stops short of hitting Cornette. But in the end, uh, Brad Armstrong uh, wins this match. Doc, uh, let's go to you. Uh, Bobby, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on this thing? Oh, man, uh, I go back to, first of all, being in that ring with Buddy um, in Johnson City in that same position where, you know, you're just coming off of uh, uh, getting beat up a little bit like Brad had. You have to go right back in there and go at him. Buddy just takes over with the punches and the forms and that knee to the gut that I mentioned before. He just does it. It doubles you over. He gives you that big right. Uh, Buddy obviously come to work this night, and that's cool. Um, I think it's one of those things where um, – when Cornette throws them at racket and of course, buddy refused to use it. Uh, it's just one of those th- things. And, uh, that baby face finally does something, you know, like he's been pushed and pushed and cheated and cheated and screwed and screwed, Buddy doesn't want to cheat or doesn't want, uh, uh Cornette's help and this and that. In this case, Brad though, he picks it up and he'll use something to his advantage. He's been fucked with, you know, for weeks now, and he's been in the gauntlet matches, the battle royals and mystery men and this and that. He sees his opportunity, boom, he pops Buddy with the, the racket and the place goes nuts, even though it's a baby face cheating a wind or something about it, like he, he gave him his just due. Go, wait, you know, wait, like, wait, hold, hold on, hold on. Go, go back on the video. Go back a few seconds, Mike. When when he after Buddy right before Brad tosses the racket to uh back to jim after he hits him and then he kind of did he give him the finger or whatever he did yes yes awesome little little thing that's where i was going to go to right there okay i was going to say that i had that written down um he hit him with the racket watch right here we're watching it here okay he gimmicks him the ref doesn't see it but he goes down but he tosses it to him and flips him off like there you go fucker man you know that's a yeah. huge pop because Cornette's caught red-handed with the rack in his hand like, you know, he used it or what have you. And he's like, fuck you, Jack. You know, and I think he does it one more time um, right there. Yep. Like, yeah, I outsmarted you. Share, fuck you. You know, on top. Yes. I wrote that down. I put flipped off Corny with Buddy selling. You know, Buddy's still down there selling, man. He's not involved in what the referee's doing, what Brad's doing, what Cornette's doing. Buddy's still laying there selling, getting over, you know, the whole match, not just himself, but getting getting the angle over, too. That was something I was going to say last week's show, and then again, this week's show, even though we're watching, basically, like we said, the Brad Armstrong show. The whole thing is, this is all part of a angles involving the entire promotion and it all ties together so good um that that, that's excellent i can't add anything to it you are absolutely right with the way brad did that that was tremendous really good stuff doc you got anything else this was good 
I have one thing, and it relates back to something that Bobby said early on in the episode, which is that Chip really steps it up. Chip did something in this match that I it, I thought was just awesome commentator work. So they're out there at the beginning and talking about Brad's shoulder, which was mysteriously better by the end of the match. But, you know, everything was airtight back then. Um. But one of the things that Chip says is, he says something like, word must have filtered back to Buddy in the locker room about his shoulder being hurt. So he's like, Buddy's back there preparing for his match, but word's filtered back to the locker room. This shit was being treated real, like that's something that could happen. It treated it like a sport. It... Just the little touches in this match are what made it great from Armstrong doing his, Brad doing his thing to Chip. Like, how did Buddy figure out that his shoulder was hurt? Well, how do you think he figured it out? I just thought that was really good. Good stuff all the way around. Yes, that's good stuff. Yep. Yeah, I can't get anything to it. Okay. Let's go now to Brad Armstrong after he wins a title. He's going to cut a quick promo in the back. Here it is. Jimmy Cornette, there's a new general in town. His name's Brad Armstrong. I fulfilled my promise. I became the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion. You know, the USWA belt was just snatched from my grasp, just snatched out of my hands, man. But the Smoky Mountain belt is home to stay with Brad Armstrong. So, Cornette, there's a new general in town. Send your troops, buddy. Trend them all in one by one. Because the bigger they are, the better they are, the tougher that makes me. Because this belt's home to stay with Brad Armstrong. Well, fans, as you can see, anything from that? Doc? It's just solid. I mean, they they do I mean, they do the perfect job of not overexposing him so that he's delivering the message. You know, early on in, in Saturday night episodes, you know, earlier in eighty eight, they would send babyface Luger out there for four minutes and it's like, Jesus. Oh no, come <laughs> on. Where, you know, he's picked up his steam a little bit on our shows and actually delivered some good promos. But it was a lot of pain getting there. And it was just like, why did he have four minutes when he probably could have said that in 40 seconds and come off much better? You know, there's the old thing about Brad being fantastic in the locker room and then the red light comes on. He's great here because he's not trying to go for four minutes. He had some good, he had a good promo with him and when they got into that conflict that time too in like 87 or so. He's really believable as a little bit tougher than white meat baby face, a little bit tougher than Bobby coming out there with his his baby, you know, and but not much and just the the all shucks. He doesn't have that he's southern, but he doesn't have that kind of smile and wink at you like Tracy does, where Tracy's like Tracy's got all the ladies thinking he's he's cute, you know, and Tracy's got that little wild streak sitting behind it that you can see. It's different. Ages eight to eighty, blind, cripple, or crazy. <laughs> the grandma, the grandma, the grandma's like, uh, you know, he comes over for dinner and he pulls out the chair for grandma and she's all charmed and and 
remembering what it was like to get moist down there. And she's like, oh, you're such a gentleman. And while he's pulling out the chair for her, he's winking at the daughter that he's going to go bust guts out on later. So. <laughs> Come on, grow up. <laughs> well, the daughter's probably 38 and named Wanda, but she, she's still going to get hollowed out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Bobby, you got anything back, before we move on? Yeah, back to the phone. They played to Brad's strength. And here's the thing. Brad had also been on national TV coming off of that um, to Smoky Mountain. And, of course, his family's known there and he's worked there. But he's just over and they played to his strength. And he is that. Um, yeah, it's not the off shucks. He, it, it, and it's not the, uh, the wide-eyed southern boy. It's Brad. But, see, Brad, I think he steps it up because his body's just a little bit better, if not greater. He's like, man, he looks like a fucking athlete out there. You know, he's coming in and he's ready to go for that title and get the title. And then when the promos come to, he's got that fire. Just like when I talked about him firing up against uh, uh, Billy Jack Haynes, he fired back against Buddy there, you know, uh, uh, with the chops and the punches. He had to show that fire. And what he's doing in those interviews, whether it be 30 to 45 seconds, whatever, boom, he's hitting his spots. Last week it was a new sheriff, okay, when he won the uh, uh, USWA. This, this time in Smoky Mountain, there's a new general. You know, he's got Cornette, General Cornette out there. And he's, you know, like I said, he flipped him off in the ring. Um, he won the title and he's telling the people on Smoky Mountain, look, you know, I'm here. You can believe in me because this title's not going anywhere with Brad Armstrong. And he's showing that fire and he's so believable as a baby face and as the champion. Um, he's just over right there because they're playing to his strengths. Don't do four minutes, Brad. Give us 30 quick ones or give us 45 and get it out of there. And he does. And it's great. I agree, Bobby. This was really tremendous, man. Good stuff. Good analysis there. So we go from that to uh, Snow and Unabomb, the dynamic duo versus the Thugs, where the loser of the fall is going to have to leave Smoky Mountain. And our special guest referee is Jim Cornette. Now, mm. Cornette does grab the house mic and warns the Thugs that they better not put a finger on him as a special referee or else. So he says, or else. And he finishes with that. Uh, Cornette is given the slow count when the thugs make a pin attempt like every single time Corny gets bumped during the match the thugs end up hitting Unibom with a double shoulder tackle Corny is knocked out but guess what we are saved by Mark Curtis who comes in and holds Cornette's hands and physically slaps Cornette's hands down on the mat to make the three count with Corny's hand the thugs win when Unibom is pinned and now we are to assume if the stipulation does hold, and I'm not saying it doesn't, that Unibomb has to leave Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Doc, go to you first. What thoughts did you have from this? I guess Glenn Jacobs came in and said, Corny, I got to leave. I got to go to dentist school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? What? Oh, Vince wants me to be a fucking dentist. <laughs> God damn. Once again, Chili McFreeze, how close was this to all being a disaster? Uh, yeah. Um, I had a question, <laughs> and, and Bobby, you may or may not know the answer to this, but was Dirty White Boy wrestling anywhere else besides Smoky Mountain at this time? No, I don't even think he was doing any independence at that time. Um, you know, he might have done a couple shows. We all worked some shows, um, you know, on our days off, but I don't know that he did, to be honest with you. Um, 
and I don't think he went over. Some of the guys actually was went over to Memphis for a couple nights, um, and I don't think he was making that trip either. So I do not think he was working anywhere else other than Smoky Mountain. I could be wrong. He might have done a you know uh, outlaw show here or there, what do you want to call it? You know, a little show uh, somewhere around Knoxville on a night off, but I, I don't I don't know that for sure. I was just asking because it's been a while. I mean, I, I like the thugs and I like him and Tracy together, but it's been a while since he's been kind of featured prominently at the top of the card. And I was just wondering if that had anything to do with the fact that he was working other places and wasn't as available, but just a thought I had. No, not that I know of. I think it was just, just the booking, you know. Okay. Because he lived right there in Knoxville, so he was making every trip that was there, and he was going to be on about every card that was available, but probably only for Smoky Mountain. So he's working, you know, at least three, sometimes four nights a week for them. And Mike, um, are we to believe that Boo Bradley is gone, or is he still here? I was trying to remember, man. We've made the joke for months now that Boo stuck around much longer than we realized, and I don't remember. I know I've watched these all recently, but I, I, I don't know. But I will say this. Once again, he lasts a lot longer than we all remembered. Boo becomes balls. Boo becomes <sighs> balls. Wow. Got to love us some balls. Balls money, <laughs> that is. Uh, okay. So, Doc, you got anything else from this match, or you want to throw it to Bobby? I mean, no, no this, this is this is four solid guys in the ring, and so it's it's maybe not always spectacular, but it is always solid. And uh, it is, uh, again, something that I like watching on these shows because it's a deviation from the, the squash match format. Bobby's oh, no. doing a hopper. He's having a fucking home invasion. Yeah, I'm sitting there trying to readjust my chair, man. Shit. Do you do um, you uh, do you sit on the floor crisscross applesauce style like Doc does? No, he does I, something. <laughs> I'm actually laying. Uh, I'm actually laying flat because the floor is a a rough motherfucker on my back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Bobby. You I got was adjusting the pillow. I was adjusting the pillow behind my back. I'm like, damn, getting tight here. Um, no, it was a solid match. All four guys can go. Um, I liked it. With the cornet being the referee, it was, you know, obviously, you know, something's up. And of course, I thought they worked it out really well at the quick counts when the faces were down. And um, then, of course, the very, very slow uh, count when a heel was down. And um, I I popped at the end because Mark Curtis makes a save. Cornet's arm was out there and they, they're doing their spots, doing their spots, booming his arms there. And when Curtis, Curtis comes through, man, and raises his arm and drops it back on the mat, I thought, you know, that's just another another good finish for the way the match went because the match was the match was a good match. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was just a really good match because there's four guys out there doing their fucking job like they're supposed to, and they're working together, and they're getting a crowd behind them, and, and it's getting over. And, and Cornette's doing his thing, the quick count right there, and all doing the slow count and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, just um, just a good match, a good fun match um, to have on a card. And you don't never know what's going to happen. And then at the end, here comes from the back, Mark Curtis, because Cornette's out, and he just picks up his hand, one, two, three. So Cornette officially did count Glenn Jacobs out, and then, you're like you said, you already made your deal about he, he's going to be the one probably leaving town, and he does. So um, good stuff, man. 
Yeah, I like I I like the fact that you know Corny here he is with the slow count and not wanting to count you know anybody from the dynamic duo out, but at the end of the day he can't even help himself because he's he's out cold or or, or woozy and Curtis comes in and literally you know takes his hand and, and counts it out. It, it's it's good stuff, man. You got You got to enjoy it when they, when they do things like this. So anyway, I enjoyed it. Doc, any other thoughts before I go to the closing promo from the, I was trying to wait to see the finish. Here it is where, where yeah. Curtis one, two, three, <laughs> the crowd, crowd pops. pops, look at him. Yeah. Uh, and Cordy has yeah. no clue what happened. That's the best part about it. The yeah. best part about that. He's clueless on what just went down. And that's, that's one of the things we love about wrestling. So, okay. Uh, Doc, any other thoughts before we go to the promo from the thugs? No, sir. All right, let's go to the promo from the thugs after the match. You know something, white boy? We overcame the odds, man. They had Jim Cornette as the referee in that match, but we beat Al Snow and Unibomb. We beat that Unibomb, and that big six foot eight, 300-pounder is out of Smoky Mountain wrestling forever. But now, the thing that we want, man, is those Smoky Mountain tag team titles. But even the titles don't really mean as much as the fact that it's ringing those stinking two guys next, along with that Michelin man toy soldier Jim Cornette out there. You guys come out here, one of you is doing your hair like that, and the other is doing his little dance. Well, you better strut your stuff because you ain't going to be strutting wrong because you're looking at two guys right here that are hot on your trail because we want them Smoky Mountain tag team titles back where they belong around the thug's waist. Right, white boy? That's exactly right. What I want to do is I want to reach in real deep right in here, and I want to pull Jim Cornette's eye out, and then I want to shove it down his throat, and then kick him in the butt and send him home. And then what I want is I want to get Dr. Tom Pritchard. I want to shave his head. I want to stomp him into a pool of blood. And then I want to get toothless Jimmy Dale Ray. And I want to get him down. And I want to spread his legs until I hear Whoa. everything pop. And he squeals like a woman. What's going to happen, Heavenly Bodies? And Jim Cornette, it's the thoughts are coming. And it's not going to be pretty because somebody's going to get hurt. And pain is my game. I'm the master of hurting people. I've taught this man how to get mean and nasty. So, heavenly bodies, think about it. Do you really want to show up? Do you want to let Mama Cornette talk you into something? You boys are going down like it or not. Well, fans. I could have done without a dirty white boy telling us he wants to spread Joe Ray's legs until he hears something <laughs> pop and squeals like a woman. Uh... Hard pass on that one, Tony Anthony. We love I, I you. Just, I just hope that the popping there isn't Jimmy Joe Ray's anal hymen. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> what <Come> the hell? <laughs> oh, good, uh, Doc. I'm sorry. It's, uh, well, it was, certainly wasn't scripted, huh? Yeah, it was not scripted. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, what do you think about this? Well, you know, I, I tell you, from watching his promos for years I, I really think he gives a really strong promo my problem with it is this as graphic as he got and it's not tony's promos uh tracy's all la 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 whatever and then then he he works tony works himself up to where he says these things that he the thing is I always thought that in a promo, you got to lead it somewhere that when a match happens, you're going to do it. And sometimes Tony's promos were so over the top that, um, and it was a good promo, um, a little bit but out not, there, but, but he doesn't plug. back it up when he gets he's to the ring. Gonna, 
He's not he doesn't do those things. Right. And that, that always bothered me. Even when I had my program with me, I'd be like, you know, if you're telling people you're going to kill me, then fucking kill me already. You know what I'm saying? So he says all these great things about, you know, he's going to poke, rip his eye out. He's going to make Tom a pool of blood. And, and then he, you know, do uh, God knows what uh, to make Jimmy uh, squeal like a. But uh, none of us going to. He just didn't take it to the ring. The intensity of the interview didn't match the intensity of the work rate. And it, it kind of goes, and that's not a dig uh, towards his work rate because he could work, and it's not a dig towards his interview because he could interview, but he needed to kind of put them, put them both together, if that makes sense, uh, to, 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 to make it even stronger. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, to, to, but it did get over, and, and a lot of people probably did catch that. What? He, he's going to spread it? What? <laughs> Squeal like a, I think he is wanting to say like, like a pig or something out of deliverance country there. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, like you said, obviously it wasn't scripted. But uh, he about worked himself up until like a, a fucking Pentecostal preacher there, it sounded like. Uh, uh, and if he if he would have said squeal like a woman, that would have been fine. The problem was the preceding line was spread Del Rey's legs until he hears something pop. And squeals like a woman. That was the yeah. one. Where I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Like, I remember watching this the first time. I was like, oh, what did he just say? Rewind <laughs> that. Uh, God, that was that was great in the worst way possible. Uh, Doc, yeah. you got anything you want to add for what Bobby said? Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, let me get let me get the next promo queued up. We got. Let's see. What we got next. We got Jim Cornette, Tommy Rich, and the Punisher. Who now they have something to say? This is the militia. Uh, we hadn't heard from, we didn't hear from Tommy Ritz last week. So uh, let's let's mm-hmm. let's see what's going on here. We're here with General Jim Cornette, the Punisher, and Tommy Wildfire Rich. And uh, General, I have to say, in the matters of things like the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Title and the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Championship, things really aren't going too well these days for the militia. Well, that's because I've had the wrong personnel. I've had the wrong troops involved. Buddy Landell has disappointed me. He's messed up for the last time. I am sick and tired of being humiliated by a member of the force that doesn't know how to follow orders. So what I have done, I've just taken some action moments ago. I've been talking to Wildfire. I'm busting Buddy Landell to a buck private, first of all. He's going to have to work his way back up through the ranks. Second of all, I'm sending all the other members of the militia after Brad Armstrong. Tommy Wildfire Rich has the sneakiness. Terry Bam Bam Gordy, he's got the strength. Al Snow has the speed. There's got to be some way that I can find the combination to take Brad Armstrong out. But as from now, Buddy Landell, like I said, has busted a buck private, and I am naming Tommy Wildfire Rich as my new top lieutenant. And I know that he is going to carry on the tradition of the militia the way that Buddy Landell should have. Buddy Landell gets no more shots at the title until he shows me that he has earned them. Right, Tommy? Yes, sir. You know what it amounts to? Buddy Landell came up where I've been, but you never tell a general nothing. The general realized the natural fact. Buddy Landell's a loser. Tommy Wildfire Rich, I've held titles all over the country. So, Brad Armstrong, you get your butt ready, boy, because when I come at you, I'm going to take the title back to Mr. Cornell. <laughs> That's exactly right. Hey, hey Buddy, buddy, you know what? I was just telling all the people here, I was telling Chip Kessler how that Smoky Mountain Wrestling refuses to give you any more shots at the title. I've been trying. I've been negotiating. I'm trying the best I can to get you another shot at Brad Armstrong, but they have refused to let you in the ring with him. From From this point on, leave all the title shots and all the wrestling to me. Because if you mess me up just one more time, you're going to look like Custer more than MacArthur. You understand what I'm saying? Buddy! 
Hey, hey, General, it looks like there's a little trouble in the militia. Don't try to instigate, <laughs> Jeff Kessler. You're nothing but an infiltrator. All right, fans, we're out of time. All right, uh, Doc, your thoughts on Cornette, Tommy Rich, Punisher, and Budro, who does a run in here? Why were you so disrespectful a minute ago? <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, well. Somebody we say something about some fried chicken cold beer. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> that was not me. Um, I, you know, they're drawing this buddy corny thing out. We know where it's going to end, but I'm on. we're on board for the ride. Uh I assume, Mike, you have some thoughts on replace the the drop down in quality from replacing Buddy with Tommy Rich. No, I don't have anything to say about that. Whatever. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. No, I mean this is a good little storyline that you know what what's going on with Budro, and all of a sudden now he's he's quote unquote right now been demoted to Buck Private in the militia. I mean, it makes sense based on the conflict we saw earlier with Buddy and Jimmy. So no, I don't. I mean. It makes sense. I'm good with okay. it. Okay. All right. Dang, you got nothing else, Doc? It wasn't that long of a promo. What do you want me to say? Oh, I thought it was actually good, actually. I enjoyed it. It, uh, it was okay. Yeah. The way Buddy came in after and, you know, uh, he's like, wait, 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 Jimmy, what's going on? And Jim tried to make it seem like, oh, no, no, yeah. no, we're all good. So, I don't know. What you got, Bobby? I, was, I, I thought that was funny the way he, you know, um, when Bud, Buddy comes out there and Cornette changes his tune all of a sudden, I like that, you know, like, but Buddy just straight to the point, you know, like no more, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about title shots or matches or anything. Just leave it to me. You can see, I'm surprised he has already turned, but I mean, we, we know the program is coming and you see it each week. And so we're spacing out, but Buddy says just enough to get over, man, that once again, true professional, he, he come out, said what he had to say. And, uh, you know, he turns around and they're all like looking at each other like, you know, whatever, what the fuck, buddy, you know. Um, but, yeah, buddy's the man once again. He just kind of comes in and like, hey, this this is the way they leave the matches, leave, leave, leave the title, leave the matches to me. And if things, you know, if you do interfere, you know, he gives him that little uh, general thing with Custard uh, and MacArthur thing. And, and it's pretty good. It's short and, it, and it's good. Um, Bud Rowe Bud said just enough, you know. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's uh, I. I got pretty much the same thing. I thought this was solid. Real quick, so what they showed here was from Fire on the Mountain, nineteen ninety five, Night of the Dream matches, which was August twelfth of ninety five, Johnson City, Tennessee, Freedom Hall, drew nineteen hundred people. I'm not going to run through the entire card, uh, but I did want to mention something that Doc actually asked a second ago when he asked about Boo Bradley. Uh, Boo Bradley actually pinned Tommy Rich in a match where Bradley was blindfolded, and that was actually Tommy Rich's dream match. So technically, Boo Bradley, as of this night, this night was still here, Doc. So I just wanted to mention that. I won't run through the whole card because there are 11 matches here. There was, well, not 11 matches, but just call it 11 segments. They they have a, they considered Ron Wright's retirement ceremony. They put that as a mm. bullet point in the result. And uh, Ron Wright pinned Dirty White Boy that night uh, because that was White Boy's dream match. I, look, well, again, it was just kind of for show. Uh, and Dirty White Boy wanted to be out there with his mentor one more time. But I'll post these results in the Facebook group uh, once this show drops. So there's that. But you had a bunch of different stuff. 1,900 people at Freedom Hall that night for the Night of the Dream matches. And with that said, we need to take care of some business and do the disability checks for this week's episode. Before I throw it to Doc, I want to remind you all, if you don't use our Amazon referral link, please use it. TinyURL.com slash BTT Amazon. A great way to support this show without spending anything extra. Go buy Bobby 
Blaze's books, Pin Me, Pay Me, and I Kicked Out on Two, The Education of a Wrestler from Amazon. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Great way to support this show. You won't spend anything extra. We get a little bit of kickback in return from Amazon, so please use that link and give that link to the wives, girlfriends, hoes, side pieces in your life. Tell them to use it every time they purchase something from Amazon. Doc, I'll go to you first. What, uh, how many disability checks are you going to give this uh, week's episode? This one was really difficult to rate, but at the end of the day, I came back to the idea that for the 44 minutes, I had I had a good time watching this, and there's angles going on that I'm invested in, and I like Brad Armstrong, so that didn't bother me. Um, it certainly wasn't last week's episode, but as we discussed, not many are going to be. Uh, but this was good. And so for that, I'm going to say this was an 8.3. All right. Uh, Bobby, what are you going to give it? Uh, I actually had written down 8.2. All right. So we got 8.3 and 8.2. Uh, Look at that. I think this was a solid A minus. You know, it was a good episode. Nothing nothing wrong here. I, I liked it. This was, this, was, this was good stuff. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, and Bobby and Doc are on the same page. All right, let's do the Government Cheese Award. And before we do it, remember, if you're not one, consider becoming a patron, tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. You get the video versions of these. Uh, you get a ton. You get tons of other audio from us at, at that link, like the WCW Clash of the Champions, the pay-per-views that we've done, along with 200 other Patreon-exclusive episodes at tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. Doc, Bobby, Harper, and I, we put a lot of work into this show. So if you appreciate that, Consider becoming a patron, even if you're just enjoying the free shows and you're like, ah, you know, I love this, but uh, I haven't become a patron yet. Consider it. A lot of work goes into this. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT. Government Cheese Award time. Doc, you go first. Who are you giving it to? I don't know how it could be anybody but Brad Armstrong. Well, I was going to say the same thing. That's why I threw it to you first. So uh, Brad Armstrong gets the government cheese. So, And let me tell you, everybody, get ready and get used to bad Brad Armstrong uh, <laughs> in this promotion as we go through the uh, end of it. Bobby, who are you giving yours to? I was going to say, uh, before you answered, that that's who you was going to say, Doc. I was going to say, I have to say, 100% agree with Doc. It can't go to anyone but bad Brad Armstrong on this one. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right, so we are uh, just about getting ready to get out of here. But before we do so, I'll throw it to Bobby. Bobby, go ahead and plug whatever you got. Uh, anything you want to mention, please feel free to do so. No, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate you being, letting me be on the show, a part of this. I'm a fan, excuse me, fan and a friend of the show, as you know. And uh, to all you great fans out there, please keep listening to it. Um, I'm on social media at twi on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. You can follow me there. And uh, I've loved this the last few weeks that I've got to be on here, and I appreciate the opportunity given to me to be on the program. Um, I hope you fans have enjoyed it as much as I have, and I'm going to continue to join Book in the Territory. Uh, thanks, Doc. Thanks, Mike. And uh, hello to Harper out there, wherever you're at, brother. Thank you. <laughs> He's out doing scandalous things and there grabbing life out of horns without uh, condominiums. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, Doc, you got anything before I go into a couple of plugs we got to do? Let's get the fuck out of here. How about that? That's I'm, nice, I'm, Doc. I, got, I got important things to go do today. 
Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, before we get out of here, shout out to the wrestling podcast about nothing with ROH. is Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett. They do their show every single Monday. Check them out. They talk classic current stuff as well. Again, that's wrestling podcast about nothing or WPAN, wherever you get your podcast from. And shout out to our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast with Joe Murata and Michael Quinn, the northern version of BTT, slightly classier, a little bit more professional, but still fun nonetheless. They support us. So please support them. Give them a listen. Uh, good guys all the way around. All right, Bobby, I don't have anything else, man. If you don't have anything else and you're ready to shut this thing down, you know how we do it when we get out of here. Why don't you uh, uh, hit that go home cue for us? Fuck it, bitch. Everybody, before we get out of here, you know I always got to thank all of our patrons out there. Thank you for supporting this show. Thank you for all that you do for the show. Your patronage is very appreciated. It makes what we do right now twice per week, every single week on the free feed possible. So thank you very much, and I appreciate it. Also, man, I got to tell you guys, the Hall of Fame patron shout-out list continues to grow larger and larger and i am grateful for that so thank you very much for all the hall of fame patrons out there i mean thank you to all the patrons i mean i understand certain people uh can't pledge as much as others and that's fine and that's why you know at the two dollar level you get a bunch of stuff but for the hall of fame uh hall of fame patrons out there thank you very much this list is growing longer and longer each and every week so i don't know how much longer i'm going to be able to do the uh list of hall of fame hall of fame patron shout outs so my apologies if this uh doesn't continue in the future However, we're going to give it one more try at the beginning of February right here of 2020 with all of our Hall of Fame patrons. So as I say that, I want to give some shout outs to those Hall of Fame patrons. My friend out there, Fritz Von Mulkey, thank you very much. You signed up uh, to the Hall of Fame level. You've been signed up for a while. You bumped up, I should say. So thank you, uh, Fritz Von Mulkey, a.k.a. Doc. Actually, they're not the same person. It's just a running joke. So there you have it. Uh, Rowan Smith, David Ford, Harrison Lee, Isaac Pinley, at Hey Hey It's Isaac. Oh, I'm sorry, at Hey It's Isaac, not Hey Hey It's Isaac. It's just at Oh Hey It's Isaac. Eagle underscore one, Kango Fett, Lee Russell, MDQ for life, George Davis, Kevin Carter, Michael Angel, Bob Richards, Rocky Suazo, my man Christopher Champer, Will Harkey, Robbie Dyson, Rick Beebe, Brad Dunyfin, Tom Schlegel, Coach Joey Chase, a.k.a. Willie Chase, Steve Malbasa, Kenny Byersdorf, 
Glenn Abbott at GA Russell Nut on Twitter. Bobby Murray. Marlon Mueller, my man Marlon Mueller, a.k.a. Half Pints Point. You know what I always say. Keep cutting those promos, kid. Josh Warren, Everett Starr, Mike Childry, Kyle Riley, Disrespectfully Classy, Marky Blassie. Greg Norman, Johnny on Patreon, the great John Dean, who is at YRC21 on Twitter, Josh Dunn at Ryan and Auburn on Twitter, good old Justin Robert Smith, Joseph Ice, Tim Morecci, Adam Price, Brian Evans, Mark Wilson, Armando Martinez, David Jordan, Jesse Jacobs, Chris Myers, Gerald Green III, Mitchell Johnson, Mike Pru, Will Parker, Classy Alex, David DeVries, SV Pageant, Bill Salsa, Big Rich, Allen at Spy Boy Sports Cap, RE Miller 39, Jay Shiny, Ruben Espinosa, Merciless Jones, Jesse Lucas, Chris Browning, Justin underscore Andretti, Cole Manny 22, Marty Howell, T Hog 94, Gobbled Unreal. Thank you for your generous patronage via the Hall of Fame patron sign up. Last but not least, I uh, just want to give you all a, a heads up on something. I have not been as active lately on either Twitter or Facebook. Um, the shoot job, just very, very busy, and I just haven't had a lot of time. So, uh, if you've sent me DMs on Twitter or instant messages or messages on Facebook Messenger and I have not gotten back to you, I just cannot get through them. So um, honestly, probably from here on out, the best way to get in touch with me if you really, really need to get in touch with me is going to be via email for the show, bookingtheterritory at gmail.com. So I just want to mention that I am recording this actual segment on February 5th, 2020, but I wanted to say that. If you need to get in touch with me uh, and I haven't responded to your DM on either Twitter or on Facebook, the best way would probably be email. I tend to check that a few times a day when I can. Um, And if I don't even check it during the day, I usually check it at night. So that's probably the best place to get in touch with me if you need to get in touch with me with something show related, Patreon related, especially if it's Patreon related. Give me a holler there. I mean, it's it's not that... uh, Again, that's, a, that's the best way to reach me um, to the Gmail. Book in the territory at gmail.com if you're not getting a response on Twitter or on Facebook. And um, I want to shout out Mike Crockett as well for handling the Facebook page and helping moderate with it. Uh, he does a good job. Don't give him a hard time if he doesn't catch things and whatnot. So anyway, and stop getting offended at everything, people. We only live once. Live, love, and laugh, brothers and sisters out there, and just have a good time. That said, I'm going to get out of here. I'm eternally grateful for all of you guys and women. we got a lot of women now who support this show. Thank you very much. Uh, it means a lot. And uh, when we started this nearly five years ago, I didn't think we'd grow like this, but we have. And it's because of you. So thank you. Uh, this is Mike. I'm getting out of here. You know what Hopper always says. Book it, bitch.